Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Before I read, I'm not going to teach on Romans 1 because, you know, I'm not teaching the Word. I'm just reading it. I do think it's important to mention these things. The great, um, we're, not, we're not Reformed, believe we're just Christians. Right, but the great the great reformers John Calvin and Martin Luther said that Romans was the gateway to the gospel. Right? They said when you understand Romans, well to understand gospel, you have to you have to read the Romans, right? They call it the Romans Road. Many people have different names for it. So Romans one would be the entrance to the gateway. Right? This is the beginning of the gospel. So as I read it, really, you know, listen, like, because that's that's what we're saved through the gospel. Right? It's the gospel that, that, that's where our, our faith is founded in. It's the gospel that we preach. It's the gospel that we, got, you know, we attempt to live. So as I read, just let the word wash over your ears and your hearts. And um, yeah, let me get there first. Anybody at Romans 1? Anybody there? It's on, it's on the screen. My bad. <laughs> Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus have this far have been far prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the woman exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evilness, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Thank God for the reading of the word. And now, Petey. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity for your word. Um, Think through my mind, speak through my lips. Pray for supernatural divine utterance. I connect my tongue to my spirit. And I speak as the mouthpiece of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your miracle signs and wonders. Thank you for following the teaching and preaching of your word with demonstration. Thank you for grace deposits that this word will change the course of and the lives of your people for eternity. That this word is preparing people for eternity. I give you name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We receive the Holy Spirit, the teacher. We receive the Holy Spirit, the preacher. We receive the Holy Spirit, the one to prophesy. I thank you that I prophesied to your people your word with clarity and boldness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, it's good. I, I, I love preaching and teaching. Um, I, I feel, uh, I, you know, when I'm on vacation, I, I, go, I go to church. I don't know about all of y'all, but when I go, if I'm in Mexico, I'm going to find a church. If I'm in Fiji, Islands, I'm going to find a church. So it doesn't matter where I'm at. And so, of course, um, we have some friends out in Orlando. There's so many churches out there, and we, we got a chance to visit our friend, good friend, William McDowell. Went to his church. That was my first time there. Well, I've been there several times. He gave me a shout out. I felt so proud. I was like, man, he shouted me out. And then I went to another church and hung out with Pastor Hagen Jr., Kenneth Hagen's um, son and, and daughter-in-law. And so that was great. And a good brother um, that we met and connected with uh, about over a year ago. And we actually met face-to-face. And he's going to be here next week. So make sure you're here next week. Um, he, he has a word from God. Him and his wife, he's going to minister. And so um, if y'all can come out, you will not be disappointed. Amen. So faith on trial. That's what I'm talking about today. Faith on trial. James chapter one. Let's go over there. James chapter one. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Somebody make sure you get one. James chapter one. We believe in the word of God so much that we 
allocate monies just to buy Bibles for visitors and guests. Amen. And we want people to um, have the word of God because the word of God is so important. And we believe that men and women have died to, to get the Bible in our hands and, and, and have the ability to read it every day. Some of us have a lot of Bibles. Some of us only have a few. And thank God for your, your phone. And I know you have your, your Bible app, apps. But I trust that you, if you got that, that you're not scrolling you know, around on, on Instagram. Um, unless your phone give me curse, <laughs> stop working because <laughs> you, you didn't give it to the Lord on the Lord's day. <laughs> hey, that's real. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna read verses two through four, and I won't read before you long. At least I don't think. Um, faith on trial. Everybody say faith on trial. And I'm reading down the ESV. It says, "Count it all joy, my brothers," and in in the Greek, it says, and sisters. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, it's hard for me to not go on to verses five through eight, <laughs> but I'm going to restrain myself. How um, many know that? Trial, a trial is an act of trying or proving. It's a test. It's trouble. It's grief. It's, it's suffering. It's distress. It's adversity. It's hardship. Um, it's, it, again, it's trouble. I, I have a good friend. He actually just wrote a book, released a book called Holy Hardship. You should get it. Um, by Anthony Dix, Jr. Um, Holy Hardship. I'm not going to preach that. He's going to come here and preach it one day. <laughs> but trials are something that is a part of this fallen world. We're going to go through some trials. We cannot expect to go through this life without hardships. Um, you, can, you can't confess hardships away. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm a confessing machine. I, that's, I mean, if you, if you get around me just a little bit, I used to com- correct everybody's confession, but I, I've stopped and grown up a little bit. I still like when people say stuff, I'm like, mm. <laughs> and they be like, yeah, when you get my age, you know, your body start breaking. I'm like, nope, not my case. Nope, nope, no. Nope. You know, you get your kids, teenage years, they're going to rebel. Not my kids, not my kids. Oh, when you get older, you, you, you know, you're living off a fixed income. No, not me. I'm going to be unlimited in, in income. You know, uh, I don't, you know, I have favor in, in my finances and, and I'm a tither. And so I expect God to, for money to be there when I get there. Amen. <laughs> I expect money to get, be there when I get there. So it doesn't matter if, if the Lord tells, and I'm not telling you to do this, but if the Lord tells you to give away all your money that's in your, that you stored up for your future. You got to trust that the money is going to be there when you need it. Amen. And I'm just talking about just giving to the church because the Lord will lead you to give to your parents and give to, to, your, to your enemies. <laughs> that went over real well. <laughs> How to bless your enemies. Um, so. And you, so you can't confess hardships away. The enemy of our souls want to destroy our faith in our lives. Satan, Satan accuses us before the throne of God. He brings accusations against us. He will test the word that you hear and the word that you receive and the word that you believe. Satan comes immediately, according to Mark chapter 4, he, he's going to test the word of God. Today, you're going to, this word that you're hearing now, you will be tested on. If you come to the small group, 
<laughs> on the last one, on September the 17th, it, your marriage will be tested <laughs> based on the word that you hear. Amen. Um, John 10, 10 says that the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Satan has a threefold purpose to steal from you, to kill, and to destroy. Um, the question I always hated from a young lad, I, I used to hear this, why do bad things happen to good people? So one, you're assuming that everybody's good <laughs> and we inherently evil <laughs> from that, from just because of the sin nature. So, um, so that, that, you know, Jesus says, no, not, not one, not one, <laughs> no one is good. So that just kind of counsel that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Everybody's bad. <laughs> just have a baby bad. You know, we call our babies blessed. <laughs> so I'm not saying you don't go around. You're bad. Thing, you know, even if you want to say bad, you bless, you're blessed, bless, bless. <laughs> um, and so we're, we're not good in, within ourselves. There, Paul says there's nothing that, that's good that dwells inside of us. So why do bad things happen to bad people? <laughs> that's the question you really want to answer. Um, but I used to hate that because I believe people are asking the wrong questions. Um, I'm going to say this and, and take it like it is. It is disrespectful to question the authority of God. You can ask God questions, but you cannot demand anything from the Lord. You can't demand for him to bless you. You can't demand him to answer you. <laughs> you can't demand him to move. It doesn't matter how, how much we pray and fast for revival. We cannot move God's hand. We can move ourselves in a position to receive from him. You can't make God hear you and you can't make God answer you. <laughs> I know that's not popular, but we're not trying to move the hand of God or make him to do something that he doesn't want to do. We're just trying to position ourselves to receive. Amen. Amen. So let's stop blaming God. People blame God for everything, everything good and bad. If something goes wrong, why? Why did you take my loved one? Like he's the one. I've only read uh, two, you know, well, actually only read once of a person who, who, who the Lord took. Enoch. And I'm trying to get to that status where you walk with God so much and God's so missing you. He says, I'm going to take you, boy. <laughs> and so if you hear me take gone, that's because he, he's like, I need a PD. <laughs> but he doesn't need no more angels. And that sounds good and religious. Uh, he, 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 there's only one person that he took. So if somebody dies, they don't, the Lord didn't take them. They went home to be with the Lord. So New Testament talks about going home to be with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We go home to be with him. It's not like he's taking us. Because sometimes our dumb decisions take us there. Amen. Um, so we, we, you cannot be humble and disrespectful at the same time. God is not your problem. He's your solution of, to all your problems. So you can be like, but Lord, why, why? You know, you look at Job asking God all these questions. He says, were you there at the beginning of time? Were you there when I created the heavens and the earth and so forth? And, and, and what shall the pot, shall the clay say to the potter? What are you doing? How dare for us to have an attitude, a fisted heart towards the things of God to say, oh God, you got to answer me. Oh God, why, 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 why? And really, we can say, why not you? You know, you're going through hell and back. Why not go through hell? Why not allow? Jim Rohn says this in this motivational 
but it's it's good. It's applicable for now. Not so much becoming something, getting something, but becoming something. What are we becoming? What are we becoming when we go through, through trials? Faith on trial. Faith on trial. What are we becoming in the midst? When we, when the Hebrew boys who went through hell, through fire, what were they becoming? Faithful. Faithful. You are going to have some challenges and some troubles and some trials. John chapter 16, let's go. So when there's affliction coming your way, what are you going to become in the midst of those afflictions? John chapter 16, verse 33 says this, and you're familiar with it. I've said these things. This is Jesus. It's written in red in most Bibles. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have what? Tribulation. That's a promise. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So the, pro- the, the hope is though we're going to have some tribulation, he overcame. He overcame so that we can overcome. Amen. And the Bible talks about in Revelation that God will reward the overcomers. So we're going to have, we're going to go through. So in Christ, we have peace, but in the world, you have tribulations, you have trials. So you're going to have some trouble just because you're in the world. You're not going to get away from being born again and even filled with the spirit does not exempt you from being a person who's full of trials. You know, it's just not going to happen. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let me just show you this. Psalm 34, and I'm just going to take my time. I, I, I feel that, but I'm going to slow down. <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 19. You should underline this, highlight it, even if you don't write in your Bible. Write, highlight it, because you're going to need this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So simply because you're righteous, you're going to be afflicted. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the hope and the promise and, and, and the thing that we can hold on to is, but the Lord, but the Lord. The, when I was a youth pastor, I used to talk about God's big butt. But the Lord, he put his butt in the way of the many afflictions. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's the hope. Amen. So though the trials are coming, our hope is he's going to deliver us out of them all. Amen. Amen. Um, Psalm 91. Let's go over there. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I'm going to have you all over the Bible today. Psalm 91, verse 15. It says, when he calls to me, talking, you know, the Lord is saying this. When he calls to me, I will answer him. And then he goes on and says, I will be with him in trouble. And I will rescue him and honor him. Notice this, that he didn't say that he's just, he's with us in trouble. That means that we're going to have some trouble. He's with us in trouble. So if you're in some trouble today and you're going through some trials, he's with you. That's good news. Amen. Hey, I'm not alone. We're not alone. Amen. Go, go with me to Ephesians. We'll do Ephesians, then Matthew, and then go back to Job. Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. Glory to God. It feels good to be back preaching. 
<laughs> Amen. I, 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 I just get the itch. I'm like, oh, I should be doing this. Oh God, I want to, I could teach and preach until Jesus comes, which I'll do. Uh, it's just, I get the, it's like, oh man. Some people are like, you know, I just get a bunch of guests, you know, I'll be like, no, let me preach. <laughs> Ephesians chapter six, let's look at verse 13. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13 says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in what? The evil day, having done all to stand firm, stand there forth, and goes on. So notice it says that we are to take the whole armor of God so that we're able to withstand in the evil day. And what is the evil day? The day that evil troubles your house. The day that evil visits your house. That's the evil day. Matthew 6, 34. Let's go over there. Matthew 6, 34. 634. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Suffice for the day. Sufficient is the day, or suffice for the day is, is its own trouble. In other words, there's enough trouble to be concerned about for today. Amen. So don't worry about tomorrow because you got enough to worry about today. Amen. All right. Trials are, are, are necessary indications that you are not in faith. So just because you have a trial or trials doesn't mean that you're not in faith or that you have sinned. Now, some trials are the result of not listening to the Lord. If you don't pay your, you know, car note, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't pay your car note, what's going to happen? A month goes by, two months goes by, and then one day you're going to wake up and go outside and you don't see the car unless you try to hide, hide your car. Hey, can you keep my car for a couple of days, <laughs> a couple of months? <laughs> All right. So we, we see that we see that. Um, why do people text doing while I'm preaching? <laughs> um, so we see that if here we say that their trials are not are not necessary. Sometimes we're the trials. We, we actually are dis are in sin or disobedience. And, and, and that's why we have the trial. But that's not what James is talking about. He actually says various kinds of trial, trials. Trials come from Satan. Trials come from, trials come from bad decisions. But they also come because we're in a fallen world. We're in a fallen world. Because of, and then trials come from other people. You, you, you think about a president make, that makes dumb decisions. It, it will affect people. Somebody, a president over a company will affect people. A husband that makes dumb decisions, it can affect people. A wife that makes dumb decisions. So it affects more than just one person. So some trials are because of dumb decisions, but most of our trials are not. They're actually from Satan, the fallen world. And does it really matter where the trials are really coming from? I mean, I mean the Bible tells us what to do when we have them. Trials come just because you're born into this world. Go with me to Job chapter 14, verse 1. Job chapter 14, verse 1. We're talking about faith on trial. Job chapter 14, verse 1. Job chapter 14, verse 1, and says this. It says, man who is born of a woman is few of days. That means you got a short amount of time on the earth and full of trouble. Full of trouble. 
Your days will be full of trouble. You will not be able to escape trouble as long as you are in this world. It's part of the world system. So when people say, well, can you pray that, that I'll get out of all my troubles? So you actually want me to pray that you die, right? Oh, pray that I'll never deal with the devil anymore, pastor. Well, you're actually praying to go to heaven. You, you may say, I, I've prayed and studied the scriptures, so I should be okay. I made the right confessions, and I, and I faithfully pay my tithes. These things do not exempt you from trouble. You, you may say, I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. You still will have trouble. Trouble on every side, and yet the Lord gives us the faith to overcome each. Let's go to one more before we get to our text. This is all my intro. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 7 and 8. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the suppressing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Here's the apostle who Jesus appeared to, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who, who um, the Lord used mightily to establish churches all over Europe. And here, he's a person that is full of trouble. So just because you have trouble is not an indication that you, you're not walking with Jesus. All right. So go, with, go back with me to James chapter 1. James chapter one, faith on trial. I, I, I did all that to show you that you're going to have some trouble. Um, sometimes people hear me talk about faith and using my faith. Your faith was given to you so you can overcome your trouble, not so you can be free from your trouble. All right. Verse two says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the resting or the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And let patience or steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here, um, James is really instructing the believer to employ their trials. I want to submit to you that you and I should employ our trials. To employ means to hire them. It, it, it means to, to engage with them. Make your trials your servants. Don't waste your trials. They can be used for spiritual purposes. Glory to God. That's what he's saying. He says, count it all joy. When you find yourself in trials, count it all joy. Consider it to be a joy to be in this trial. Now, you're not thanking God for the trial, but you're thanking God for the opportunity to believe him. Amen. So whatever is going on, James says, count it all joy. Now, we know that happiness, I heard this when I was, it's a nice little cliche and it's religious, and, and I, but I do kind of like it. It says, um, happiness is based on what's, is, what's happening, but joy is based on, you know, knowing Christ. And that it's a true saying. Um, happiness is, you know, it, it deals with your, your emotions. You know, I'm happy. But joy you may be crying and still have joy. You might have lost your loved one and still have joy. You might have lost your life or your house and still have joy. You could be dying and still have joy. Amen? Amen. Joy 
is the result of knowing the joy giver, Jesus. Joy is not based on what's happening. It's rooted in who God is. To be full of joy is to be full of God. The world doesn't have joy. They may have some happiness, but they can't experience joy until they come to the joy giver, Jesus. Amen. Joy is rooted. Joy is a spiritual fruit. It's something beyond this world. I mean, you may not have everything that you want, but joy is yours today in Christ. Amen. The Bible tells us in Psalm 23 that the Lord has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And on this table is some joy. And I, I want to challenge you to go to the table that's prepared for. This is not the table in heaven because there are no enemies in heaven. Enemies are on the earth. And we walk in the valley of the shadow of death on the earth. And so while you're here, take your portion of joy. Get you some joy. Nehemiah said it like this. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. You show me a person full of joy, I show you a person full of God. Amen. Amen. Recently, a good friend of mine who, who's, who's, who's in a trial, him and his wife, his wife was facing some challenges in her body. And, and on my way to Florida, I began, he called me and he was crying and, and, and we began to pray and we prayed the prayer of faith and thanking God. And we began to pray in the spirit for an hour. He had me on the phone and he had me muted while the doctors and the nurses and surgery was around. And he's, we praying in the spirit. He says, keep praying. I'm hearing you. And so I'm praying and my mom is praying and the boys are doing whatever in the back and I'm praying and praying and praying. And I pray, we prayed ourselves to a place of joy and we got a note of victory. And I start laughing and I said, brother, everything's going to be okay. No matter what the doctor says, keep the switch of faith on for the Lord is bringing you through this. And that's the word I got for him. And I said, I'm laughing in the spirit because God gave us victory in prayer. We prayed ourselves to a place of joy in the midst of this trial that you're facing. And they went in, come and find out it was a tumor. They took 95 to 100% of it out of her. Glory to God. Out of her brain. Glory to God. You understand this? That, that is the miracle of God. And we prayed ourselves into a place of joy. So joy is knowing Christ. It isn't how you feel. It, isn't, it is knowing someone. It, it affects your feelings, but it isn't your feelings. Joy comes from being in Christ. Joy comes from pleasing him. Joy is the fruit of the recreated spirit. So God gives you joy. Joy gives us the strength to endure. So joy is your portion today. You may hate that job, but joy is yours. Amen. You can have joy in the midst of this frustrating system. Amen. With kids wilding out, you can have joy. When spouse is going off, you can have joy. When money is funny, you can have joy. Joy is yours. And I love what the, the psalmist said. says, the weeping may be endured. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy is promised in the morning. Amen. Amen. You can have joy in the morning. You're going through hell. Just know that joy is in the morning. Amen. Amen. That's a promise from God. Now, growing up, I used to think that it says we've been endured for the night. <laughs> but but I think that that's that's how you can apply that. We have endured for the night, but we got joy in the morning. Amen. Amen. And then you want to take that even further beyond this lifetime. Joy comes in the morning. At his return, joy comes. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Let, let's, let's real quick go to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. We're talking about faith on trial. Faith and, 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 and I was struggling with maybe we should talk about employing your trials or, or don't waste your trials. Don't waste, don't, every time you're going through, know that it's an opportunity to count it all joy. Amen. It's an opportunity to put into practice what you've been trained for. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, it says, So as this is a prayer, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, burn fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice this, being strengthened with all might, according to his glorious might, for all what? Endurance and patience with what? With joy. So you, you and I need that joy, that Jesus joy to endure the trials. Amen. So this is why James says, count it all joy. When you're going through, count it all joy. Um, Paul said this in Philippians. He says, you know what? I'm in hell. I'm underneath the prison in a, bu- a bunch of human waste. And I'm telling you to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Count it all joy. Go back to James 1. So look at this one more time. James chapter one, verse two. It says, count on our joy, my brothers and my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. James is instructing the church to count on our joy when they find themselves engaging with trials. Trials are inevitable. You will have them. Either you're at the beginning of a trial, the middle of it, or at the end. But you go from trial to trial. You may get a little break in between. Amen. And so you go in the beginning, in the middle, or at the end. Then you have a little break and you go right into a trial. So we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. That's the Christian life. God never promised that you won't have a trial, but he did promise to give you joy in the midst of a trial. He promised to be with you in the trial. That should be enough to sustain us in the midst of the trial. Don't run from your trials. Implore them as your servants to produce something. And this is what James says, verse three. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of our faith will produce patience. So as we're going through, God is building something in us. We're becoming something. We're becoming like someone named Jesus. We're bec- God is using the opportunity of this crushing to become more like Jesus. We pray over here, Lord, and we are prayer time. Lord, make me more like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Oh, God, I, I, God, I don't know. I, this is how I pray. I want to be like Jesus. God, I want to be like Jesus. Oh, God, I, I just want to be like Jesus. And you're in that time of prayer. You're praying in the spirit. You're praying in English. You're praying. You're worshiping. Oh, God, I want to be like Jesus. And you come out of that time of prayer and you find yourself in hell. <laughs> What just happened? He's just answering your prayer. He's allowing you to go through something that will produce patience in you, that will allow you to employ your joy, to use your faith that will make you more like Jesus. 
Oh, God, give me more love. I just, we need to love people. Love. And all of a sudden, you find yourself around haters. And you find yourself around people that, that get on your last nerve. And, 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 and that stretches you. And all of a sudden, you have to love. Now, love, you prayed to walk in love. Now he gives you opportunities to love. And as a single person, oh, God, I want to be married. Oh, God, I want to be married so bad. Oh, God. And he blesses you with the person and they get on your last nerve. He's like, where's the happiness? Maybe he had in mind your holiness, not your happiness. He want to make you more like Jesus. Marriage will, will produce or marriage will put, put you in a situation where you will become a real Christian. <laughs> a so enough Christian. Not, not one of these fake Christians, but a real Christian. Oh, you got my last nerves. Why are you praying? Don't come. Let me get married. And when you get married, Lord, come quick. Quickly, come now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus, James, is instructing the church to, to count it all joy when you find yourself engaging with these trials. There are different types of trials. Trials come from all, from all different places, from all different reasons. It isn't for us to try to figure out why we have these trials. And the, the people, they just get stuck on that. Why? 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 I'm praying. I'm doing all the right stuff. We think because we're doing all the stuff that he commanded us to do, that we're not going to have trials. Apostle Paul says, you know, I wanted to come to you to preach the gospel, but Satan hindered me. (laughs) Here's Apostle Paul. He was hindered by Satan not to go somewhere to preach the gospel. Well, Lord, I know it's your will. I know it's your will. But yet there's a hindrance. There's, There's opposition. Let's look at um, trials may be the result of ignorant mistakes. Most of their, most of them, uh, you know, trials weigh us down and they try to destroy us. Let's look at verse three. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Uh, verse, that's verse three. And it, so James brings light to the, the, these trials when he says these trials come to try and test your faith. Faith that isn't tested isn't worth having. Um, There's some people, they have fang faith, not real faith. They have pretend faith. You ask them how they do it. I'm blessed and highly favored. Actually, I hate that. I I, I mean, that's your confession, but I hate hearing it. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm like, what what are you doing? Like, I'm just asking how you doing. (laughs) Are you okay? Eddie, are you okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's what I want to ask him. I'm like, I'm blessed. Pastor, I'm blessed. Okay, what does that mean? Like, you could be going through hell and still bless. Blessing has nothing to do with your money. It has everything to do with who you connected with. So, so you say you're blessed. Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, uh, fake faith. You know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's yours today. It's already done. And, and they just make these empty emptiness. There's no substance behind what they're confessing. They say all the right stuff in front of us. But, but, but there's no, there's no they're, like Jude said, they're like clouds without water. I mean, they, they just, they just, they're just speaking stuff. They're trying to name it and claim it, but there's nothing to, because he doesn't claim them. So therefore, there's nothing for them to claim, hold, hold on to. 
I, I'm just, I'm, I'm like emptiness. Uh, I'm in faith. Uh, you know, I, you know, and look, look what the Lord has done. And something comes along, just like the word. So on the, you know, it was they, they received it with joy. But when the trials came because of the sake of the word, it knocked them out. It's easy to love Jesus when everything's going okay. But the real test of your faith is when things are not going all right. Can you still love them? The test of your marriage. It's not when and you're on the honeymoon. It's wonderful. But after the honeymoon, I mean, you got, you know, you got life. Let's see how much you love each other. Let's see if your love grows when they get on your last number. You, oh, I want kids. I want kids. And God blesses you with kids. And, and they got poop and pee and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And they touching the toilet in the public. And you're like, oh, God. I mean, just, I mean, I just got a trip. I did a 19, well, what, 16 hours of trip. I stopped in the public. And I'm like, oh, God, this is nasty. Or they throwing up. And you're like, man. And you try to go on the road. They throwing up again. And you're like, the true story just happened. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you want a five, right? <laughs> yes, I still want five. I still want five. I don't care. They could all throw up. <laughs> the testing of our faith. Um, they have fang faith. No, not real faith. Have you ever heard someone say the right things, but there's no power to what they're saying? They just, it's like a, a parrot. They just, just you know, you, you can get a parent to confess the word. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, I mean, we, God is not looking for parents. You know, that's some people, they, when they make their confession, they just parents. Yep. They say all the right stuff, and they sum out, sum out for a few minutes, and, and no victory. No, no, no power. No. They have an appearance of holiness and godliness, but they deny the power, that everyday life, true power every day. If you got real power, I mean, don't just give me anointed sermon, anointed life. Make my life a prayer. Make my life anointed. Not my song only, but make my life, my, my, make, make, make my life a song to you. And just worship to God. Everything that I say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, not my confession in front of people, but my confession in behind, behind in the dark. Amen. When hell is breaking loose, I'm still saying with tears running down, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can make it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He's supplying my needs. I believe I receive the bonuses and the raises and calling my house more valuable than it is than on the market. Calling things that are not as though they were. Amen. Calling order into a disordered life. James says, you know, um, do you, do you, are, you, are you employing patience? Some may make the right confessions, but they don't believe what they're saying. Um, this is feigned faith. Um, we want genuine faith, true faith. In order to have our faith must be tested. In order to have true faith, your, te- your faith got to be tested. It, it, how can you have a testimony without a test? <laughs> he said, I know this, and I can quote the scriptures, and I know the Greek and the Hebrew, and I, and I know all these things. I know the Hebrew that's translated into the Greek that's translated into English. So what? Have you been proven? Have you been through hell and back, and you still love Jesus? No matter what happens, if, if you're Psalm 27, if your mama forsake you, your daddy forsake you, did the Lord uphold you? 
Are your friends, I mean, are you, are you able to stand when you're not popular? True test, the, the, the testing of our faith. I'm not just talking about what you're believing God for when I'm talking about your faith being tested. But I'm talking about your faith in Christ. When it's not popular to be a Christian, even on Facebook. When it's not popular um, to believe the word of God that you actually believe Genesis to Revelation. Your faith in the name of Jesus and your faith in his keeping power and your faith in the fact that he hears you when you pray. Your faith in, in there's a real heaven. That when you, when you feel like that, that this is all there is, you still got faith that there's a heaven. You still got faith that there's a God who created hell for the devil and his angels. You, you have faith in the Christian life. You have, your faith has been tested as Christ the healer. You still believe God is a healer. Not that he can, but he will heal you. You still believe it, despite what the doctors report. You believe that he's a deliverer. You believe that he's a provider. You believe that he's the soon coming king. Faith is like a diamond, a diamond that has many facets. Each, every facet of our faith must be tested. True Christianity is the true testing of the faith. Your love for Jesus must be tested. Do you really love him? Even when things are not going your way, when you don't have the American dream, you still love him. When he asks you to crucify the very thing that you've been working for for all of your life, he asks you for it. Do you still love him? Amen. Are you willing to not compromise and, and, and bend to the world system? Your faith on trial. These trials are testing our faith so it can produce steadfastness, to produce patience, the ability to stand, the ability to, to stay, staying power, endurance. You know, um, Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Can you endure every day? God much rather have you spend an hour a day in his word and prayer than, than to spend a whole month praying and fasting and never pick it up to the, ne to the next year. Uh, do you have enduring power, enduring faith, patience, the capacity for you and I to calmly endure pain, having a high tolerance? to go through hell, that I'm not going nowhere. You know, it's like the, pre the preacher who, whose wife decides to leave him and decides to be a prostitute. And he says, I'll go broke because I'll spend all my money to get all your time. You know, I, I, I'm not going nowhere. That, that's the type of, and when you're going through hell in your marriage, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to be here. The good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm going to be here. Uh, when your kid's acting up, I'm going to be here. On your job, you still believe in God. Amen. With the, with the hoopty, you still believe in God. When you get your Lexus, you still believe in God. Amen. When, you get, when you're living in the hood, you still believe in God. When, you, when you're in the nice areas of New Jersey, you still believe in God. Amen. That nothing is changing. Your faith remains the same. Amen. Loving Jesus regardless of the circumstances.
Amen. And doing your, your, your tolerance. That's what's happening when your faith is on trial. Your tolerance, your tolerance is increasing. You're able to stand longer. You know, you've been through some things and you can stand. You've been without money. You're standing. You've been on welfare. You're still standing. And you got six figures and you're still standing. Come on. God has been faithful to you. You're holding on to him because he keeps holding on to you. And you're just not moving. You're not moving by what you see and how you feel and what you hear, but you're moving by your faith. I move, I make faith moves and I don't move outside of my faith because whatever's not faith is sin. So I want to stay pleasing in his sight. Stay, stay, stay at the altar praying and believing God. Step confessing the word. Keep tithing when you don't have money for rent. Keep believing God. Keep witnessing when everybody hates you. Keep saying what God says. Amen. The trying of our faith. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says, if your faith, if your strength is weak in the time of adversity, it's small. Strength is small if you fall in the day of trouble. Your spiritual maturity is based on how you can endure hell and stay in the faith. Still love Jesus and not be moved by this world. People say, I'm spiritually mature because I can prophesy. I can hear from God. Okay. My dog can hear from God. I got Bible on it. There's a donkey that heard from God and you was used of God and spoke in a human voice. So it doesn't make you spiritual just because you can hear and speak for God. Amen. What makes you spiritual is you can have patience when you feel like being having anxiety all over. Being, I mean, your, your spirituality, there's, there's, your, your, your spiritual maturity goes beyond just uh, just a few things. But one is love. We know. The more you walk in love, the more mature you are, but also the ability to have patience. Being able to be content and yet believing for more. Your relationship is not based on whether he hears you. It's based on what Jesus did for you and you've received. it. And you're not moved by anything. And you know, heaven is my home, but earth is my assignment. I, I, I'm not, Courtney used to say all the time, we love this world too much. I, I, I'd rather have Jesus than the world. Silver and gold you can have, but give me Jesus. Now, some people say, I'll take the silver and gold and Jesus. <laughs> uh, there's a righteous way to pursue money, but I'm going to pursue it his way. I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to let my faith be tried. My faith is, tr- you, you should be using your faith every day so that it could be tested. So you can grow in patience. It says faith and patience, they inherit the promises. You show me a person with patience, I'll show you a person who's walking with God. God is very long-suffering. He says, I'm coming back. It's been 2,000 years. He's coming. (laughs) Amen. I'm almost finished. Thank you, Lord. Endurance is the ability to go through trials without fainting or compromising. Don't waste your trials. They can be used for the glory of God. They can be employed to produce patience and steadfastness in you. My last scriptures, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Faith on trial. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, let me just say this. Your trial does not make you spiritual because people in the world go through trials. It's what you do in your trials that make you spiritual. 
That's where the strength and that's where the growth comes from. Trials don't come to make me strong. They come to test me. So when you're testing in school, when I was in school and we got tested because they, they, they ex- expected you to know what you've been taught. What you put, now it's time to put into practice what you believe. Do you believe what you believe in the midst of the trial? Do you really believe he's a healer? Do you really believe he's a deliverer? Do you believe he's a provider? Do you believe that he's coming again to your situation? Amen. Number three, verse three, it says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Patience. Your suffering will produce patience. Endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us shame, put us to shame, but because God's love been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, He has given to us. So we see that if I allow this suffering, these trials, to produce patience in me, then the patience will produce the character, and the character will produce the hope. Go back to James 1 3. I lied. This is my last scripture with this part. <laughs> James chapter one. Let's look at the latter part of that. Let me start with verse two. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness or patience have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So patience, if you let patience have its full effect, you will become mature and complete and lacking in nothing. Dr. Orr Roberts used to say this, if you can have more patience than the devil, you can win every time. The devil is persistent. (laughs) He's persistent. And if I can have more patience than him, I can win every time. When you're in a trial, you you develop that patience. It doesn't matter when he comes. You know, we want him now. We want him to come through. We want the manifestation of what we're believing for now. But if it takes a year, two, five years, 20 years, you try, and there's people of God who's, who died in faith believing for something they never saw. It's not the manifestation of what you're believing for. Are you willing to stay in faith when you don't see it? The sufferings we encounter produce endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not make us ashamed. The trial is working for your good by way of patience. So the longer you're in something, the better off you are. The more he's working in you. The more that patience. You, I mean, you don't have roll rage. And you, you, cause you, can, you can endure the people cussing at you and putting up their middle, middle finger. And you just, I'm, I'm enduring. I'm allowing patience. When you're in a line, a long line, whether it's Disney World, shot right, you can have patience. I'm not moved by what I see. I know one day I'm going to get on this ride. I don't care how long it takes. They say it's 40 minutes. Wait, and I didn't get the lightning pass. I'm staying. Face, staying, staying power. I'm going to stay. And I'm one step at a time. 
How do you eat, eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you walk a, mile, a million miles one, one step at a time? How do you walk by faith? He never calls us to do a leap by faith, contrary to popular belief. He actually calls us to do a step by faith, walk by faith. He, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So you got to do some stepping in order for him to order some things. So you got to step, step in line with the spirit, Galatians chapter five. You got to walk by faith and walk by the spirit and walk in love and, and, and stay, keep your eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me stop. Things to remember when your faith is on trial. I got eight. Contrary to what they taught me in hermeneutics. <laughs> I got eight. <laughs> Here we go, real quick. The first thing to remember, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Nothing can separate you. You're just taking notes. Just nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 35, he says, he says you know, trials, persecution, famine, all these things. Nakedness. Can these things separate me from the love of God? No. None of these things can separate us from the love of God. God's love for you and I are not, is not based on the trials we've gone through. It's based on Christ. So nothing can separate you from God's love. So you keep that as, you know what? God loves me. God likes me. He loves me. He really likes me and loves me. And nothing can separate me. So I'm going through hell. My faith is on trial. God loves me. Keep that in mind. God loves me. God loves me. No matter what's going through, but God loves me. All right, the next one. Hebrews 13, verse 5. You are not alone. That's the second one. You are not alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I won't abandon you. I'm not going nowhere. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm not going nowhere. I'm in your past, present, and your future. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in you, on you, around you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm for you. If God be for us, who can be against us? You are not alone in this trial. Paul said it like this. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. He was going through a lot, a lot of persecution. He said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. When Stephen was being, being martyred for the gospel and, and, and they were throwing a stone at him, he saw Jesus. You're not alone. If you can just keep, keep that in mind, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm going through, we're going to laugh. We're going to laugh our way through this. Though I'm crying, the things you cry about today, you'll laugh about tomorrow. If you stay with, stay with it. Number three, patience is at work. James 1, 3. So keep that in mind. So while I'm going through, my faith has been tested. Patience is at work. Patience. God is allowing the fruit of patience to be my inheritance. God is allowing patience to dominate me. Patience is my portion. Patience is my inheritance. Patience is what is working in me. God is working patience. It says, let patience have its full effect. If I can have patience, I can endure through hell and back. I can go through anything. I, just think about it. If I can have patience, you know, um, you know, sometimes you have a lot of money. Sometimes you don't have a lot of money. But if you can have patience, this too shall pass. All right, next one. This is an opportunity to put into practice what you believe. 
Remember this. When you're going through your, trial, your faith being tested, this is an opportunity to put into practice what you believe. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, we got to fight the good fight of faith. You got to fight for what you believe for and believe in God for. Fight the good fight of faith. This is an opportunity to put into practice what you believe. When are you going to put into practice what you believe when you go through? All, all the wonderful songs. I give myself away. And then he, he calls you to give yourself away at that job, nine to five, when all hell is breaking loose. Do you give your prayers away? Do you give the love that you have in your heart? Because the world don't got any love. So do you give that away? Do you give some joy away? <laughs> you know, I know he said, Jonathan Marino's nice little song, but unscriptural, deliver me from people. No, deliver me to people. That's what God does. He gives you opportunities with people. He never calls us away from people for indefinite time, period. Oh, you're never going to be around people. No, he's going to put you around people so you can put into practice your Christianity. Next one. You're more than, you're more than a conqueror. Romans 8.37. You're more than a conqueror. So when your faith is going through and been tested, you are more than conquerors. Next one. God will not allow you to deal with more than you can handle. God will not allow you to deal with more than you can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Old folks used to say, he'll not put more on you than you can handle. That sounds good, but God's not putting this on you. You're in a world that puts this stuff on you. And so therefore, he's not going to allow you to be tempted above you're able to handle it. So if you're in it, he believes you can overcome it. He has more faith that you can, you're going to overcome this than probably you and I do. So he believes that you can handle this. God will not allow you to deal with more than you can handle. I got two more. The next one is the greater one is living on the inside of you. The greater one is living inside of you. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the greater one lives on the inside of you. And I'll go back over it real quick for those who are taking notes. Last but not least, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4.13. He's talking about going through hell and back, going through good situations and bad situations. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can do this. You can make it. God, and I know... You're more than a survivor. God wants you to be a, more than a conqueror. You're more than a survivor. God doesn't just want you to survive. He wants you to conquer. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. A conqueror does a lot, but more than a conqueror is somebody who conquered for you and gave you the victory. That's, the, that's more than a conqueror. So he's not even asking you to, to conquer. He asks you to be more than a conqueror. In other words, receive his victory. Receive that the fact that he overcame so you can overcome. My faith is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith in who? My faith in Jesus. My faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes this world. Amen. Real quick. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Number two, you are not alone. Number three, patience is at work. Number four, this is an opportunity to put into practice what you believe. Number five, you are more than a conqueror. 
Number six, God will not allow you to deal with more than you can handle. The next one, number seven, the greater one lives on the inside of you. And number eight, you can do all things through Christ. So you ready for your next trial? You ready? You ready to go through, right? That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.